2008, uh, Russian officials with the Orthodox Church realized that one of their church buildings had disappeared. Poof. Gone. Not a trace of it was left. Uh, it was a church that had declined, and about a decade before they had closed it down, but the Russian Orthodox Church experienced some growth. They said, hey, we're going to reopen this church, and they went to discover that the building was missing. So, of course, they launched an investigation. They had to get down to the bottom of this, and they discovered it wasn't space aliens. It wasn't some time vortex. It wasn't anything like, dramatic like that. Rather, the people in the nearby village had removed the church one brick at a time over the past ten years, selling the bricks for about four cents apiece until the church was gone. So that church, that two-story church building, wasn't eradicated by the stroke of a wrecking ball or by an earthquake or by an arsonist. No, it was that the bricks had been chiseled out one by one by lots of people. In Ephesians 2, 20-22, Paul tells us that the church is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. In Him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. So much like that church building in Russia, some churches aren't reduced in one fatal stroke, but rather by Christians who, like living stones, remove themselves one brick at a time. They stop being involved, and the church disappears. They say, I can just stay at home and worship on TV. I don't need to join a Sunday school class to study the Bible. I can do my own spiritual thing. All I need is Jesus and me. And with each decision like that, that means one less living stone. And in the end, the church, which was put here to glorify God on the earth, disappears. Now, the reverse of that is also true. Every person who gets involved in our church helps to build up the body of Christ and helps us to be that temple in the Lord made up of living bricks with Jesus Christ as our chief cornerstone. We've been looking over the past few weeks at our church's map to help us come together into that temple for the Lord, to help us be that church through what we call the disciples' path. And it begins with coming to Christ in worship and then growing into Christ-likeness in small groups. And today we're going to look at serving Christ out of love, and I hope that you pick up in each one of these that there, there's both a, a personal aspect of this. We each have a personal responsibility to do each one of these things on our own, but there's also a communal aspect of this where we need to do these things together. None of us can, nor should we try, to follow Jesus alone. We're on this journey together. We're all individual bricks in a building. We're all puzzle pieces fitted together so that we can really be a church that is loving God, loving people, and making disciples of Jesus from all generations. Now, when it comes to serving Christ out of love, that's obvious. That's something you can't do in isolation, right? Because to serve Jesus is to serve others. I mean, what did Jesus say in the parable of the sheep and the goats? He said, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for even the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful for the church. We're grateful that you have put each one of us as followers of Jesus Christ into your body where you would have us to be. 
to serve you out of love by serving the people around us and in our community. We pray, God, that your Spirit would take your Word and apply it to our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. So another story that I wanted to share with you, you've probably heard this story before. It's a story about four people named Everybody, Somebody, Nobody, and Anybody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. So that may be a little confusing, a little, you know, who's on first, you know, kind of a thing there, but the message is clear. No one took responsibility, and so nothing got done. Nothing was accomplished. Listen, it's easy for us, especially in this post-COVID world, it's easy for us to kind of pull away in our own silos and, and hunker down and forget that we're part of a team. A team that's pulling together in the same direction, and that is to glorify God and carry out His mission in this world. We each have a role to play, but we're not the star of the show. We're supporting characters in God's epic story. And as with our other stops on the discipleship math, uh, map, no one said math, I hate math. Uh, I like maps though. Uh, this stop on the discipleship map, uh, there's a corresponding core value. And I preached back in 2019 on our church's newly adopted core values. And just as come to worship as part of our discipleship map, Worshiping authentically is one of our core values. Just as uh, growing in groups is on our discipleship math, so is uh, being a, uh, accountable to one another and being relationally centered and being biblically faithful. And so just as we talk about serving Christ in love, one of our core values is compassionately serving, which means that we share the gospel as we meet physical and spiritual needs. The point of our service, as, as Ben was saying in this children's sermon, goes far beyond just meeting someone's immediate physical need. Uh, so, for example, our wheelchair ramp team that goes out and they install wheelchair ramps for people that need them, they do that because our mission is to make disciples as we love God and love people. The ramp is not the end goal. The ramp is a tool. It's a means by which we can open a door to building trust, to building a hopefully a long-term relationship so that we can have a gospel conversation with that person. Or think about our Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes. We just did our collection a month ago. Uh, we did Christmas in July this year, and we had over 250 boxes come in, which is wonderful. Our goal is 300, so we've got between now and November to come up with 50 more boxes. So if you didn't do one or you find an opportunity in the next couple of months to do another, please do, and you can get that to us uh, before that collection week uh, in November for the community. But each one of those shoeboxes, again, that's not the end goal. It's an opportunity. It's a tool to help a child and a family to build a relationship and to be discipled by a local church in their area. They will be presented the gospel. They will be given the opportunity to go through a 12-week discipleship class. That is compassionate service with a goal toward gospel-centered relationships. So as we think about serve on this discipleship map here, uh, think about it as like a connecting trail or a bridge. 
So you look at the first two, come to worship and grow in groups, as a little bit of an upward, inward focus, right? We're worshiping God, we're growing ourselves spiritually. Now we do that in community, but it's still, it's a little bit of an inward, upward focus. But that serve in love and, and go and tell, make disciples, really helps to shift us from an inward focus to an outward focus. And, and especially as we think about uh, the bridge to the next, the last sermon in this series, that final stop in the map of going and telling others the good news to make disciples for Jesus, serving is a great doorway, a great entryway into being able to make those disciples. So let's look together at Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 and 14. This is one of our uh, key texts for today. Paul writes and says, For you were called to be free, brothers and sisters. Only do not use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but serve one another through love. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out, or you'll be consumed by one another. Isn't it shocking? As you read this, it shocks me to think about how we can take the grace of God eternal life, salvation, the forgiveness of sins. We can take spiritual freedom, these amazing gifts of God's grace, and we can still find a way of turning them inward to become self-serving. That's what Paul says right there. It's amazing how prevalent our sin nature can be, which is why Paul warns us not to use our freedom as a means of indulgence in ourself, as, as an inward focus but to have an outward focus. So what's the antidote? What's the cure to our self-centered tendencies? Paul says it's serving other people out of our love for Jesus. Service is itself a gift of God's grace because it helps us to keep from having an inward focus. Healthy, growing churches, and there have been multiple studies done on this, a healthy, growing church is an outwardly focused church that's all about serving other people, meeting needs, looking beyond the four walls of their congregation. If that's true for healthy growing churches, it's certainly true for healthy growing Christians. We've got to look outside ourselves. Now, our church does a lot of outwardly focused service in our community. Through MANA, we partner with other churches to help clothe and feed people in our county. Through Partners for Success, we help people with other financial needs. We help pay utility bills and things like that. Through our Go and Tell offering, we support the Georgia Baptist uh, children's home, and we also support other foster care and, and adoption-related ministries. And, of course, you know every December we do the angel tree to bring in Christmas gifts for foster care children. The Go and Tell Fund also helps us, as being talked about, with disaster relief, meeting needs in places like Southern California or Maui right now. Uh, we support fighting world hunger. We supply our Honduras mission team. We get school supplies for local schools and welcome bags for new teachers in our community. Our wheelchair ramp ministry, I was talking to James Bridges about this this morning, and he estimates that over the, the past you know, several, several years they've done this, back when they were doing the wooden permanent ramps as well as the new portable aluminum ramps they use, they've probably served over 250 households. It's amazing. There's about 70 ramps that are out right now meeting people's needs. Mission McDuffie helps homeowners with minor repairs and yard work and painting. We give bicycles uh, at Christmas, backpacks for students in need, and through Smoky Mountain Resort Ministries where the youth and college students are going this weekend, we not only reach 
the campers that are coming to the National Park and the Pigeon Forge Gatlinburg area, but we're reaching international students who come from all over the world to work over the summer in Pigeon Forge and Gatlinburg. And that's just a sampling. That's just what I came up with off the top of my head the other day. Now, does that mean that I think that we're as outwardly focused as God would have us be? No. There's always room for us to grow and improve, but I do think we have much to be thankful for as a church, and we have a lot that we can build on to do even more, to be that church who makes disciples in McDuffie County and to the ends of the earth. But it starts with each one of us personally renewing our own commitment to serve. It's not enough just to be a part of a church that does these things. We have to be a part of doing these things. We each personally have to commit to serve. Serving is as essential to our spiritual growth as coming to worship and growing in God's Word. God intends for us to serve. It's a spiritual discipline, as I said, that helps us overcome our natural inward drift towards selfishness and complacency and dissatisfaction. We can choose to be selfish or selfless, to be inwardly focused or outwardly focused, to be self-centered or others-centered. Will our lives be about serve us or service? That's the choice. I want us to notice a few things about Galatians 5, 13 and 14 before we move on. First, notice that Paul is addressing believers. He's talking to those who are called to be free. So he's not talking about mere philanthropy or community service because you're part of a civic group or you're trying to get your hours in for school. Rather, he's talking about something that should flow from our identity in Jesus Christ. It should be a natural outflow of the fact that we belong to Jesus. In verse 16, Paul will go on to call it walking or living by the Spirit. The New Testament holds up Jesus as our example. Jesus laid down His life for us. We should lay down our lives for others. Jesus loved us. We should love others. Jesus forgave us. We should forgive others. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And we should seek to serve others. We don't earn God's favor. The, the nature of grace is that we've already been given the unmerited favor of God. Rather, it's out of the abundance of God's grace at work in us that we desire to share that grace with others through service. We serve because Jesus served. It's all about Jesus. We're not serving out of some sense of guilt or to try to get anything from God. We serve freely out of love. Second thing notice here in these verses, Paul warns us that even followers of Jesus have to guard against the sinful nature. And, and, and especially today in our culture, we get messages all the time that tries to uh, elevate that sinful nature in us. You know, we're told to obey your thirst. Have it your way. You do you. You follow your heart. You do what feels good. Even in church, we're tempted to complain when things don't go our way. We mistakenly think that our time, money, and resources are our own to do with as we please. We keep our schedule so frantic and full that we have little margin to help other people when the need arises. And so finally, in these verses, Paul gives us the solution. Serve one another through love. Service is the cure to selfishness. And I just want to share with you a few ways in which service can be the solution to our selfishness. The first is that service is a source of freedom. Service is a source of freedom. When we adopt an attitude and lifestyle of service, it becomes a great filter. 
right? It can help us prioritize our lives. It can help us make decisions about the things that are important so that we have that margin in our lives. It, it can force us to slow down and simplify, and it gives us the reason to say no to some good things so we can say yes to even greater things. And service frees us from the world's idea of greatness. You know, remember when Jesus' disciples were arguing over who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of, of heaven, Jesus says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your what? Your servant. Service frees us from this worldly idea of, of greatness and authority that they're based on power and manipulation and control. Service is a source of freedom. Secondly, service reminds us the Christian life is all about grace. Again, true service comes out of a relationship with God, not our own self-righteous efforts. True service is not about results, it's about relationship. It's not about external reward, it's about an inward joy. It's a reminder that we are recipients of God's grace. Third, service helps us develop humility. Uh, author Richard Foster, who writes on spiritual disciplines, he says, of all the classical spiritual disciplines, service is the most conducive to the growth of humility. Nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like service. Nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in hiddenness. Through service we are crucified with Christ. We put to death our own ego, our selfishness, our pride, and our arrogance. It's a source of humility, and it's a source of joy. In Philippians, Paul mentions joy 14 times. And I just want you to listen to what he says about how we can complete our joy and, and each other's joy and Jesus' joy. How can we do that through service? He says in Philippians 2, 1 through 5, If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy... Make my joy complete by thinking the same way and having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. And how do we do that? What does that look like? He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look not to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. Paul says that the key to joy is humble, selfless, service. Now you may be thinking, David, you just don't understand my life. You don't understand how stretched and stressed I am. Serving just sounds like one more item on my overcrowded calendar. Serving just sounds like one more thing for me to be worried and stressed about and feel like that I'm not good enough for. Listen, I understand. I get it. And when Paul wrote these words, these words yeah, the world was a different place. There was no 24-hour news cycle to get us all hopped up and worried about things around the world we have no control over. There was no Facebook, no Twitter, no Internet, no late-night TV commercials to pull on your heartstring. No GoFundMe pages out there, you know, uh, clamoring for your money. These things didn't exist. In fact, people in the early church were rarely aware of any needs in the world outside their region. They knew about local and regional needs. And we see an example of this in the book of Acts uh, and in several of Paul's letters where 
the Jerusalem church was suffering under intense hardship through famine and persecution. So Paul was going through the churches throughout Macedonia collecting funds to send to the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem. It was a regional need. And it was one that took months for Paul to get the word out about and months to get the money collected and back to Jerusalem. But we're bombarded with needs every single day from all around the world. So how are we as Christians and how are we as a church, how do we decide who and how and when to help? How can we filter this out and keep from becoming either depressed or overwhelmed by all the many needs that we're made aware of? Because certainly God does not intend us to give to every charitable cause or help every person in every situation that we see or read online. Does He? I don't think He does. Listen, we should never respond to the needs of those either in our church or around us out of a sense of indifference. And it's easy when you're overwhelmed with so many needs just to be indifferent. Just, I, don't, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Or, or to respond out of passivity that says, somebody else will do it. Somebody else. We should never respond out of guilt that we feel bad for our blessings or our priv privilege or, or whatever. And so I've got to give, I've got to serve as a way to assuage some kind of misplaced guilt over all the blessings God has given me. And we should never respond out of anxiety. And I think that's where a lot of us tend to be. We just kind of get paralyzed. There's so many needs. I don't know what to help with. I don't know where to, where to, where to respond and, and, and where to, to work and serve. And so I'm just not going to do anything. How can we release that reluctance? How can we tap into our resources to serve others out of love for Jesus? Well, there are three principles that I want to share. And I've, I've shared this before, and I think it bears repeating today even more so. The first is the principle of proximity. Proximity. We flip over one page from where we were in Galatians to Galatians 6. Look at what Paul says in verses 9 and 10. He says, Let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. God does not want you to meet every need that you become aware of. He doesn't want you to become weary in doing good. He doesn't want to wear you out. We have to remember, He's God, we're not. Jesus is the Savior, not you and me. And unlike the Lord, our time, our energy, our resources are limited. And so we have to be good stewards of what God gives us, which means we serve as we have opportunity. Now, Acts 1.8 is a great example of this principle of proximity. Jesus said, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus gives us a starting point for serving other people out of love for Him. For serving other people with compassionate, gospel-centered service, we start locally. We start locally in our Jerusalem. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means obviously starting with your family. The Bible says a lot about how important it is for us to care for our family and our friends and the household of faith, our church family. And then we expand that to our, our co-workers, our classmates, our neighbors. We serve the people across and down the street. We begin locally. And as a church, 
We want to focus on local needs that present us with the greatest means of building those relationships of trust that will allow us to share the gospel with people and make disciples. That's how we want to emphasize what we choose to do as a church locally. But Jesus doesn't want us to stop here in McDuffie County. He says to go on to Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So we start locally, but then we expand globally. We look beyond our immediate area, and we do that in partnering with other like-minded groups to help us expand our influence outside McDuffie County. And that brings us to the second principle, and that's the principle of partnership. One of the great strengths of Southern Baptists is the cooperative program. It's the idea that we can do far more together than we can do on our own. And that's true not only among churches, it's true within churches. It's true of individual Christians within a church. You and I partner together here as we minister in Jerusalem and then as we expand globally. But as a church, we do the same thing. We maximize with others. We partner with others to maximize our energy, our resources, our time, so that we can have a greater impact beyond McDuffie County and beyond Georgia. And we do this through a lot of different ways. We do it through special missions offerings. Uh, next month, the Mission Georgia offering will be emphasizing and learning about ways in which the Georgia Baptist Mission Board helps us to minister to our Judea, uh, our own state of Georgia. Uh, we partner with uh, Southern Baptists through Annie Armstrong in the spring and Lottie Moon at Christmas to help send missionaries around North America and around the world to meet needs and share the gospel. I've already talked about Operation Christmas Child Shoe Boxes. Uh, the Kilpatrick Baptist Association is a way in which we not only minister and work here in McDuffie County, but support mission trips to Ecuador and to West Virginia and other needs like that. We partner with HOI in Honduras and Smoky Mountain Resort Ministry in East Tennessee. We can't do it all. But we can prioritize by giving and serving as we have opportunity and we can multiply our time and our resources to serve more people through strategic partnerships. And I'll tell you, your pastors, your committees, your deacons, we work hard to seriously evaluate and prioritize those opportunities and organizations that can best help us serve others for the glory of God and the sake of the gospel. And that's what we strive to do. And the third principle is the principle of purpose. So if you're trying to filter out, how do I serve? How do I give? What do I do to help people? Proximity. What needs has God presented you with around you? Start there before you start worrying too much about things around the rest of the world. The principle of partnership. Don't try to do it on your own. Find other people and organizations that you can partner with that are going to be Bible-based, that are going to be gospel-centered, that you can work with to multiply what you have and what you can do. And then third, think about the purpose. What is the purpose behind serving in this way? Because there are a lot of worthy causes out there. But if we commit to everything, we're committing to nothing. God never asked us, again, He never asked us to meet every need that comes our way. Even Jesus, when He was ministering on earth, He didn't try to heal everyone. But there, there's times in the Gospels where Jesus sent people away because... In his human body, he had limited himself like you and me. He needed to eat. He needed to sleep. He wasn't the energizer bunny. And if Jesus had to be a good steward of his time and resources and energy, so do we. We've got to be careful and prioritize our time as Jesus did. And Jesus had to be clear about his mission. What did God send him to earth to do? 
What was the most important contribution that Jesus could make to the world? So while Jesus healed the sick, raised the dead, fed the hungry, He never lost sight of the thing that He came to earth to do, and that was to seek and to save the lost. It was not to meet immediate needs. That was a means to meet eternal spiritual needs. Jesus stayed on track. He never deviated from His path to the cross. What if you and I, what if our church had that same laser focus? As ambassadors of Christ, we have to make sure that our time, our energy, and our resources are spent on accomplishing one purpose, and that is to fulfill the Great Commission to go into all the world and make disciples of Jesus. If whatever we're doing isn't working towards that mission, we shouldn't do it. We shouldn't do it. Jesus stayed on track. He remembered His purpose. What is our purpose? Loving God, loving people, and making disciples of Jesus from all generations. We value meeting people's physical needs, yes, but especially their spiritual needs through personal, compassionate acts of service. And so we as a church are committed to meeting needs in ways, again, that opens the door for those uh, gospel-centered conversations to build trust, to strengthen relationships to serve not only those who are far from God out there, but to serve one another as well. To serve the household of faith, to build up the body of Christ. And so when we as a church adopted our vision back in 2019, and we adopted this disciples' path, we as a church said, what we're going to say is that in order to be a healthy, growing Christian, you need to come to worship. You need to grow in groups. You need to serve in love. You need to go and tell and make disciples. That's what it takes to be a healthy, growing Christian. That's what the Bible teaches. And as a part of adopting that, we made a commitment to each of those four things. And there are three commitments we made. Three commitments I challenge you to make as we conclude today if we're going to serve Christ out of love by serving others. The first is we should regularly serve from our shape on a ministry team. Serve from your shape. We believe that God has equipped and gifted and shaped every one of us in a unique way to serve Him in the body of Christ. We're all different members of the body. God puts each one of us where He would have us to be. Now, shape is an acronym that's not original to us. Uh, We use it to talk about spiritual gifts. If you're a Christian, you've got the Holy Spirit within you and He has gifted you with certain spiritual abilities, spiritual gifts. Heart passion. God may be putting a burden on your heart for a specific group or need. There's our natural-born abilities and skills that we have learned and developed. There's our personality, the way in which we see the world and learn and interact and relate to other people and make decisions. And then we all have unique life experiences, that comfort that we receive from God to comfort others, things that we can contribute because of what's happened to us. And we want, as a church, to help you discover how God has gifted and shaped you best to serve Him, to find where God has placed you as a member in the body of Christ, and we want to equip and empower you to serve there. Every one of us has a place of service that God has prepared for us. That may be using your musical talents in worship on Sunday morning, working with particular age groups that you have a passion for, you've got abilities and skills in working with, maybe putting some decorating or crafting or construction experience and skills you have to work in drive-thru nativity or vacation Bible school or serving on our property and space or decorating committees. Maybe you love to cook and bake and God's going to use you to help feed a grieving family in a time of need. 
Whatever it is, you have unique skills, abilities, talents, and experiences that God wants to use you through right here. A second commitment that we need to make is to regularly meet people's needs with gospel compassion. Regularly meet people's needs with gospel compassion. Using those principles of proximity, of of partnership, and purpose, will you live a lifestyle of service? Will you keep your eyes, ears, heart, and arms open to the people that God will bring into your life so you can meet their need and share Jesus with them? And listen, that means here at church... Please don't wait for someone to ask you to serve. I'm telling you right now, Jesus is asking you to serve. And that's enough. So don't wait around. Well, you know, if the pastor will ask me, I'll do it. If you're willing to serve and you're aware of a need that's here, please, please let us know and say, I want to help. I can do that. I can keep the front desk on Tuesday afternoons or whatever. I can be a greeter on Sunday mornings. I can help to organize that greeter ministry. I can work in the nursery. I can be a part of that rotation. I can help with the fall festival. I've got a Honda minivan. I will bring it to the car show. (laughs) That may not be a place that God wants me to serve. I'll take that back. What if we prayed every morning... Lord Jesus, as it would please you, bring someone to me today that I can serve in your name. God, open my eyes to show a way in which you can use me in and through my church. That should be our prayer. And our third commitment, we should practice biblical stewardship of our time, talents, and treasures and and tithe. What if we committed ourselves to tithe our finances? To give God our time to sacrificially give above and beyond out of the treasures that God has given us. Again, it could be being on that rotation to work in the nursery, to greet people, to help with children's church. It could be giving your tithe to support the church budget or giving above that to missions or to capital improvements. Maybe for you, it's like Ben was saying, you could write a card or a letter to one of our hurting church members or go visit one of our homebound church members. There are simple ways that we can give and be good stewards of our time, our tithe, and our treasures. I believe the church of Jesus Christ is the greatest force for good and transformation the world has ever seen. I believe that. And I believe that we have everything we need to carry out God's mission and purpose for us sitting right here and and listening and watching at home. You. You are all that we need. There are no financial or human resources that we lack to do what God has called us to do. Because I believe God is not going to call us to do something that He's not already equipped us to be able to accomplish it. So if there's a ministry, if there's a mission, if there's a program that we as a church are doing to meet people and we don't have the money or the people to pull it off, one of two things is true. Either God doesn't want us to do that or His people are being disobedient. It's going to be one of those two things. And I'll tell you, we do have some ministries and programs and things that we are on the verge of having to say, maybe this isn't what God wants us to do right now because we don't have the people to do it. So you ask yourself, is that because God doesn't want us to meet that need? God doesn't want us to serve there? Maybe it does. Maybe it's that you're unwilling to step up and say, I'll be a part of that. I'll give to that. I'll serve in that way. There's no reason that we can't do what God has called us to do.
There's no reason we should have to beg people to serve in the nursery or at the warehouse or with Team Kid or Tiny Kid or to be a deacon or to help with drive through nativity. If these are things that are important to God, He's given us the means to accomplish them already. It just takes us being willing to say yes when He calls. But the first call that you should be willing to say yes to is the call to Jesus. The call to salvation. You can't serve out of love for Christ if you've not experienced the love of Christ. You can't go out and serve with gospel compassion if you've not believed the gospel. Maybe today the call that God is giving you is to come to Him in faith, to put your trust in what Jesus Christ accomplished for you. When He came to serve and not be served, He came to serve by laying down His life and taking your sin and mine upon Himself on that cross so that you could be set free. So you could be free from the, the, the bondage of sin and the burden of, of the guilt and the grief that we have in this life to set you free to serve and love. Have you experienced that? If you don't know that you belong to Jesus Christ, that you're on this journey of discipleship, I invite you right now to come to Jesus and put your faith and trust in Him. Maybe you've done that and God is calling you to unite with this church. This is the place where God would have you to worship, grow, serve, and go. We invite you to come. But maybe this morning God is calling you to serve in some specific way. It could be in vocational ministry as a pastor or missionary, something like that, or it could be through this church. That There is an area of service that God's been working in your life and you've had excuses, you've had reasons, you've said no, but it's been persistent and you know that you need to say, yes, I will help in the nursery. Yes, I will help make coffee on Sunday mornings. Yes, I'm going to be a part of this committee or I'm going to allow my name to go on that deacon ballot. Whatever God is calling you to do, Whatever it is, let's say yes. Would you stand and pray with me? Father, we thank You that Jesus came to serve us. That Jesus came to lay His life down for us. And for this lost, sinful, sick and dying world. God, as believers in Jesus, as members of the family of God, You have given us that same charge to serve, to meet needs, to share the gospel. And that begins in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our church. And it goes from there to the ends of the world. God, help us to say no to some things in our life. Help us to, 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 to weed out the garden of our schedule so that fruit can grow. So we can bear fruit that remains. So we can have that margin to say yes to the things you call us to, God. May we be obedient to your Spirit as you speak to our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray.